The first one was a hat to answer your question. Uh, it failed miserably, but the crazy thing is, is the product that I've sold the most online, probably I would say are hats. I saw in my lifetime, I've sold more hats online than anything else. However, I bet you're wondering what he was about to say. Well, not so fast. It's a little marketing tactic that we like to call setting the hook. And if you give me a second, allow me to reel you in. You're probably wondering what's up with all the fishing puns. Well, our guest today is none other than avid fisherman and seven-figure e-commerce entrepreneur, Cody Near. I've never seen a picture of this guy where he's not holding a fish that he just pulled out of the water. Well, in today's podcast, he's sharing his secrets to building e-commerce brands from scratch. And we're not talking about those fly-by-night drop-shipping scammers here. This guy is the real deal. Welcome to the Instant Leverage Podcast. All right, so we're here with uh, Cody Near, one of my good friends, eight-figure e-com legend, um, has sold anything from Donald Trump coins and bats to kitchen islands and bulletproof vests online, uh, cigar humidors. What else? I mean, yeah, literally everything, but everything, including the kitchen sink. <laughs> <laughs> Dildos. Uh, <laughs> for real, I don't think there's anything. We, with, uh, with all the stores, we literally sold everything. That's crazy. Yeah. So, um, tell, you know, give everybody a brief rundown of like, I know you like were in college and then you were like, what, I want to figure out how to sell something online. And then how did uh, that morph into. So know? I thought I was going to play baseball and went from baseball to professional baseball from college to pro ball. And then after pro ball, um, I had to pay the bills. So then that's when I started figuring out, I literally Googled how to make money online. That's like, you know, cliche, but that's what I did. And then I found, um, the, the legit, I found Alex Becker's source wave SEO online stuff, you know, him selling SEO and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I started learning that. And then, um, that's how I got my first digital marketing, like contract role. I literally went through an online course and then got a real like contract job at Thomson Reuters doing it. It wasn't kind of funny, but, um, yeah. And then, uh, then I did target corporation and we ran all the paid social media ads there. So we launched, target.com on Facebook ads, meaning running ads on Facebook for target selling products from target.com. And then we also launched this app called cartwheel, which is the discount savings app that target has. Um, and our goal there was to get as many people to download the app as possible. And, um, what we did was we actually would create discount coupons that you would have to download the app to redeem inside the store. So we got, we got people to download the app, redeem a coupon and go in the store um, via Facebook ads. So it's kind of cool. We pretty, the team that we had, we invented the app download uh, call to action on Facebook ads. So we, we figured out how to track it and how to get someone to click and download directly from iOS store or from the Google play store from a Facebook ad. Um, Usually you'd have to click, go to the store and then click the button to download um, we got it to where when you click download from Facebook, it went directly to um, downloading it um, on the uh, on the phone. Um, sorry about that. But then uh, looked at their phone. What's that? Everybody just looked at their phone, thinking it was. Uh... <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna put this. I thought I was on airplane mode, but um, so yeah. From there, then I realized, man, I could sell a bunch of products. Um, 
myself. And even if I could sell like, you know, what the old cliche, if I could sell one one hundredth of what I sell for them, then then I could make my own money. And that's when I went to e-commerce. It was uh it's about 2014, 13, 14-ish. Um, after that, and um first products I sold were hats and t-shirts and stickers and decals and stuff like that. And uh that's when uh I started running Facebook ads uh for running the sales to, to some of my own products. And um yeah, ever since then, man, literally I've sold everything you could possibly imagine through Facebook ads, Google ads, um, from what people say, drop shipping products to uh, private labeling them from getting uh, white labeled products to actually inventing and designing and, you know, manufacturing my own products to uh, from scratch and post doing all that stuff. Now, um, I still obviously do the same thing. I still sell products. I use funnels and Shopify and Facebook and Google ads and uh, work with private vendors and suppliers, and manufacturers. I still, you know, what people say drop ship um, that's with quotation marks around it because anything that you sell that you don't physically ship is technically called drop shipping. But I mean, the world's largest companies, everyone drop ships then, you know, Wayfair, Walmart. I mean, Amazon is literally <laughs> just nothing but a drop shipper. Um, so, uh, try to get people to understand that drop shipping doesn't have a negative term. It's more so the method at which you sell and get the products delivered by. Everybody uh, thinks like selling, you know, pens from Alibaba, right. Eight weeks to ship is what yeah, that's the, the typical people think AliExpress is the, the drop shipping. That's what drop shipping is. It's selling something from AliExpress and waiting, to, <laughs> waiting three months to get it. But, uh, definitely more method to the madness there than, than what, uh, the misconception is. So, now it's e-commerce brand academy teaching people how to do it and uh, obviously doing it myself. What was your first product? Um, did did was your first product number one? What was it? But was it successful right away, or did you have a couple things you tried that sucked at first? Oh man, uh, more than a couple. I tried dozens of products to begin with, um, and the reality was that's when I found out what uh, a good price point was for people to make purchases online. And then um, I would say that was like the biggest key is I realized that you can't run, you know, ads to get someone to make an impulse buy, trying to sell them, you know, a $400 product. You know, people have to make a decision about that type of product at that price. But I realized that 50 to $75 mark for, for a product uh, cost is about the max you can go uh, where you can really scale and maximize the, the scales through, through paid ads. Obviously you can sell more, you know, higher end products, you can sell those, but, uh, through Facebook and Instagram ads, I uh, found that to be a good price point. Um, but yeah, everything from decals to hats, to t-shirts, uh, to going into print on man to, um, one of the fishing products I sold back in the day was a USB, uh, plug-in lure fishing lure that you plugged in and it actually had like lights and sounds and made a rattle noise. And, uh, it kind of had this own swimming action that I did to it. And, I mean, I remember that thing. The first time I got that one to, you know, start becoming profitable was like week one. I think I did like, you know, $200 in sales and spent like 600 bucks. But week two, it was like $600 in sales and spent 200 bucks. And then by week three, it was like 10 grand in sales on $200 in ad spend. Um, and I was like, okay, here we go. That's what we see. That's a, that's a scale right there. And that was because I you know, optimized the funnel, figured out the price point you know, dialed in the audiences, those type of things. But um, yeah, I would say uh, the first one was a hat to answer your question. Uh, it failed miserably. 
But the crazy thing is, is the product that I've sold the most online, probably I would say are hats. I saw in my lifetime, I've sold more hats online than anything else. However, I've also failed at selling hats the most because I sell so many. Does that make sense? I've tried so many designs, so many different hat styles, so many different logos um, and failed miserably, but um, have sold 10 times as many as, as as I failed at, you know? Yeah. So like one thing I'm super curious about is like, I know you, I see a lot of e-com people. You see a lot of e-com people. Most of them have like one store or they, and they just kind of struggle with it or they barely scrape six figures. What's the difference between those people and then you that has like, I don't know, 20 something stores making multiple eight figures at this point. Constantly evolving niches, constantly evolving uh, products and and always running uh, ads to new products. I mean, if I was still relying on the products I was selling last month to make money this month, uh, I wouldn't be making any money because, uh, you know, it's a cycle. And, you know, once you hit a life cycle on a product and those ads and those audiences, and once the people buy the product that they wanted to buy, they're not going to keep buying the same product, you know? And there's not an infinite amount of people. Uh, people think that you can, you know... Uh, just keep selling the same thing, the same people you can uh, do that over the course of life. If it's a replenishable product, but if you're not selling them, you know, supplements or toilet paper, then, you know, you can't, you're not going to be able to sell somebody uh, 20 desks in their life or, or 55 of one product. So you have to figure out how to do that creatively. But um, yeah, I I probably test three to six different products a month uh, on ads and funnels. And then um, constantly evolving new niches, new angles, new products, reaching out to new vendors, suppliers. And um, it's a laws of average game. The more I test, the more products I get in front of and the more products I put out in front of other people, then the more opportunities I have to find products that are selling and and, uh, I can run ads to at scale. So I definitely want to talk about like the, how you built like a hundred stores in 30 days and all that kind of shit. But first, what, like, what's your, like, how many stores are you running right now that you're, that, um, like, you operate? So I've focused, uh, I've taken some notes, obviously, from, from my circle. You are obviously the person, one of the people in my inner circle, but, and, and Dan's in my circle too. And some things that I take from you guys is, uh, is that sometimes less is more. So as of recently, I've actually uh, dialed down uh, from, you know, last year we had 450 stores and we're doing close to hundred million this year. Um, you know, I've got a handful of stores and a handful meaning about three stores right now that I'm focused on. Um, but I have situ- rethunk my strategy to where instead of having tons of stores where I'm running my ads directly to my stores and scaling them that way, I've gone back to the old fashioned model of, uh, uh, funnels. And now I have these three stores that have, you know, five funnels running for each of them. And I'm running, I'm pouring new customers, new products, news, new ads into those three stores and scale them that way um, by, by multiple front end ads on the, on the front end. So I'm running my ads, two funnels, optimizing funnels, finding new products constantly, and then funneling those emails, those customers over to my Shopify stores. And that's how I build my base and foundation to resell them via email and new products and long-term customer value. And obviously, as you know, people might say, well, what'd you do with all those stores? Well, I sell them, you know, when I, when I build them up and get them making money and stuff, I, I want to sell them and you know get a large sum of cash that comes in. So um, that's always the goal. And then, uh, you know, I, I love cash flow, obviously, but um, 
you know, the cash flow is if I can keep building them and selling them, that's considered cash flow too. If I do it over and over and over, so um, that's the method to the madness. So, what's your system right now for like making sure, like getting new products on the stores, making sure the emails are written, getting the ads up? Is it like how much of that are you actually doing, and then how much is like a team? So, so yeah, good a good team, um, a a solid uh, assistant. Meaning, you know, if you want to call them your you know, your marketing assistant, your personal assistant, or your virtual assistant. It doesn't matter. Um, they're the ones that are responsible for doing tasks that are repetitive in, in our model. Um, and I don't want to say repetitive as in they're not important because if they don't get done, you have no business. But, um, you know, fulfilling orders, adding products on the store, uh, dealing with customer service issues, those type of things. So we have a person that deals with those. And then we have our uh, marketing side. So we have the actual crafting of the emails every single day. Um, so you have to be, uh, you, have to ha- you have to be, you have to be witty, but you have to have good grammar. You have to be punctual. You have to um, be creative in the fact that you have to create an offer every day via email. Um, so we have an email uh, person who writes our emails and for our e-commerce products and um, sells those every single day. And then we have all three of us are constantly looking for new products um, and then I myself will reach out to the vendor, figure out the margins, negotiate the the situation, figure out if they can ship, how much their capacity is, where are they from, who they are, are they okay if we send them, you know, a thousand orders a day, um, those type of things, negotiate our pricing and then and, and get that situation figured out to where they feel comfortable working with us. Um, but that's a pretty much a good day flow is new products, uh, build the funnels, um, keeping our store on the back end emails and products loading uh, with new suppliers there with our VA and our uh, email team. And uh, it's a constant cycle on the front end with uh, ads and new products and new funnels. Is it one team for all these stores or is it one team? Yeah. One team for all. So they work on all. Okay. Super dope. So one thing, one thing that I learned from you is um, you do, you you, like when you were explaining e-com, you're like, yeah, so we just get them on this list, sell them things that they uh, that they also might be interested in, and send them like two emails a day or something like that. Yeah, so, so three a day. Yep. Yeah. So recently, uh, we started doing one email a day, and um, we're seeing an increase on on our ads from like five x to like seven x, and now we're gonna build that out to like ninety days, and the goal is to get to ten x. So the one email, I was surprised at the one email a day thing. Uh, I mean it. I shouldn't have been because I'm like, okay, even if one, I send out one email a day and it books one appointment a day over the course of, let's say we do Monday through Friday, that's 20 appointments per month. That's like mm-hmm. two or three, you know, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we, but now I just got a, a copywriter. That's why I was texting you about like, Oh, what do you do for emails? Cause I'm like, yo, your emails are so on point. They always hit the inbox. I'm like, they're always right there. Um, and you just blast people every single day. So I'm like, yo, it must be working. Um, I don't know why, like earlier in the year, I was starting to think like, I don't know, maybe email doesn't work anymore because of promotions, box and spam mm-hmm. filters and all that kind of stuff. But um, it seems to be doing really well. So how important is like the emails to what you do now? Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you this. I'm, I, I, I uh, actually do have my own unique way of, of making sure my inbox, uh, my emails get to inboxes. So first, obviously, um, if I'm selling a physical product versus info product, let's just talk about information and, and selling, you know, programs and stuff. I try not to send 
an email to somebody the very first time uh, that says, bye, 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 bye. My first goal with them is to, number one, get them uh, intrigued to open the email, get them to where they're actively scrolling on the email. Um, and I look at these things like, did the person click? Did they open it? Did they actively scroll down the email and read it? Um, because if they're not doing those things and whatever I'm writing is not engaging enough, um, so they don't move on to me actively promoting a product or sale to them or a call to action until I see them engage with an email. Um, and it's, it's, it's not any more complicated than are they engaging with the email before I start trying to promote to them. Um, and that simply gets some number one, if they do open the email, it shows that uh, your email is an active email uh, provider to their inbox. So your first goal is to get them to start clicking and opening your email in their inbox, which will increase your uh, delivery rate to their inbox. Then number two, if they're engaging with the email, it actually increases your click-through rates, uh, which when you have better click-through rates, you'll obviously have better sales numbers and better you know, appointment bookings, stuff like that. But um, then you'll have a higher conversion rate when you do make an offer. But if they're just clicking, opening, closing, um, whatever you're writing is not engaging enough. And until you can actually get them actively engaged and your conversation you're having with them, then, you know, just like you walking up to someone and say, hi, I'm JR. Do you want to buy this? That wouldn't work. But if you walked up and said, Hey, I'm JR. What's your name? What do you do? How can I help you? You know? Yeah. Tell me more about that. Yeah. 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 And then by the end of that conversation, you're like, okay, here's what I do. I, I could help you. It's common sense, right? I mean, people think emails, let me just hit them with the inbox and put a buy button right there. I'm going to love them. But, um, <laughs> While that works on physical products, um, it does not work in information because uh, you have to actually educate and you know, share the information. But physical products, uh, my input on physical products is here's the product, here's the cost, here's the button you click to buy. Um, it's either yes or no. There's no conversation needed. Do you either want this or don't? And it's uh, pretty simple. But information, um, it's, in, it's click and open, engage, and then offer. Um, that's my flow. Interesting. So what do you, what do you think have been uh, some of the biggest leverage points? Uh, Cause obviously like you do things differently than other e-com people. Um, what do you think has been like the biggest thing to get you into the mindset that you have now that has allowed you to grow? Uh, I think the people around me, which sounds cliche, but um, imagine you surround yourself with a bunch of, for lack of better words, a bunch of losers who have no motivation who are, you know, pissed off every day they go to work, they do nine to fives, they hate, um, they complain about their boss, uh, they never want to do anything because they always have an excuse why they can't do it, those type of things. And they have just like a, what's it called? Um, the opposite of an abundant mindset, you know, they're very close minded, very um, negative about everything. So that was the biggest leverage point was like, the more that I can feel abundance in my mindset, um, then the less stress I feel, the less pressure I feel of like, well, I have to do better because, you know, everyone else around me sucks. Um, but um, to be a little more factor driven, like a little more results oriented driven. Um, I used to say that uh, uh, if you want things done correctly, you got to do them yourself. Um, but the reality is if you want things done correctly, you do it yourself, you record it or you train that part of it and then you give it to somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, typically people are like, Oh yeah, you know, hire you, you just go do this. And then you, you kind of throw them to the wolves. But the reality is until you do it and you craft it and you figure it out, um, you can't really just expect someone to go do it. So on the leverage point, biggest leverage point has been figure it out myself, figure out how I want it to be done, 
figure out how it's supposed to be done for what the way I like it in our business and then give it to somebody else to do. What do you think, what, what percentage of like your success or the things that you've tried that have worked have been like somebody like around you with more experience saying like, yo, Cody, go do this or versus you being like, okay, let me test this thing and see what happens. It's been a hundred percent. Let me go test this and see what happens. <laughs> because um, uh, it, it, sadly there's been, a, and, and I don't want to say there's not been people telling me, Hey, go do this. But um, there's been people that have, uh, that have just gone and done it, you know, that, that are in the circles that are around me. And I'm like, okay, let me go do, do that. Let me go test mm-hmm. that. Um, they don't have to tell me to go do it. You know, they're just doing right. it I'm watching in, in that. But um, I can say that's been effective. However, back up a step. Um, sometimes for, for, I don't know what it'd be fear or lack of understanding or, uh, not trusting it. But, um, sometimes there's that thing where, you know, I'm like, ah, I don't want to do that. Or, ah, I don't think that's me or that doesn't fit my model or something like that. And then, uh, I'll put it, I'll write that thing down. And, you know, when I have time, I have that list of things that I'm always like, no, that doesn't fit me or that doesn't work or I'm not going to do that. And then randomly when I do have time, I'll have, you know, one or two days a week where I just have my time, I'll go test it. And then I'll see for myself, does it actually work for me and that type of thing. But I usually don't tell people, you know, that I failed miserably at something that I thought wouldn't work, you know, but uh, uh, sadly I probably should share more of my failures, but um, yeah, I, I try it. And if it works, great. I share it. But if it doesn't, I'm like, well, at least I figured it out that it didn't work for myself. I don't just instantly say no and not do it at all. So, um, like take like 2015 Cody versus 2020 Cody, Mm. let's say you do 10 experiments, um, business wise of those 10 experiments, like how many of those are like, Oh, that didn't work, but I learned versus, Oh, this works really well versus like, Mm, that's a great point you make, man. Five year old, five years ago, it was uh, nine out of ten failed. <laughs> um, now, what I've, you know, to to your point you're making, I can see is that now I realize that the test I take, um, I do have a lot more experience and understanding about things. So, um, I'd say about fifty percent of those things actually uh, don't work. Which I don't think I'm ever going to get to the point where 100 percent everything I do works. But I think. Uh, every other thing not working is, is, uh, a lot better than nine out of 10 things. Um, so yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot more often do I succeed, but I still fail half the time, which is, you know, which is still quite a bit of failures. Yeah. I was listening to, um, Alex Ramosi's podcast and he was like, uh, in baseball, the, the most you can do is hit a grand slam and score four points in entrepreneurship you can hit a home run and score a thousand points um, by just like testing different things. Yeah. And I was like, damn, that's a really good point. Like you could just test things and you just hit that one thing. That's just like an oil well. And it just works amazingly. Like for, for me, it was like, I tried three VSLs before I got the one that was like, that we're using now. It's like a home run. And now I think about that and I'm like, man, I could probably even make that so much better at this point. So um, what do you, Okay. Can you tell us, tell a story of like the hundred, hundred stores in, in 30 days and like logistically how you pulled that off? Yeah. So, uh, we work with a large online investor. They buy assets that create them a monthly cash flow. Uh, they wanted, they wanted a hundred brand new 
cash flowing e-commerce stores in a hundred days. And obviously that my team is the size that it is, you know, three or four people. Um, I had to then go replicate my three or four people uh, tenfold. So I had to get, take this three or four person team that I have and make it 10 times. Uh, so I had to have 10 teams of like my four, and then I had to get everything that us four did and create the process, create the system, create an SOP, um, and then duplicate that SOP into all 10 teams. And then all 10 teams then from there had 10 stores that they had to build. So for me, it was just breaking it down. So, okay, if this many people can do this many stores, well, okay, then I know I need that many teams and divide a hundred by how many needs. So I did it by 10 because that's what made sense. And then 10 teams uh, had 10 stores each um, and that turned into a hundred stores. So uh, it, it was, I want to say quite simple, but um, there was some leg work and there's some, you know, working and logistics up front. But uh, once we got it dialed in, um, you know, it was a repetitive process that they could follow the steps one through, you know, X uh, steps to get this thing cranking. And uh, from there, it was it was just a, a rinse and repeat process. And they had to do the same thing. So once they built the stores, um, which is, you know, only only task one of the of the actual build and create cash flowing asset. So building is one thing, you know, you need designers and developers and people that can load products and those type of things. Those are all tasks. Um, but then you have to then transition to marketing. Um, so you have to actually make this thing succeed. And that's where the testing part comes in because in order to succeed, as you know, you said you tested three before you found the one that crushes. Uh, we had to go test as many of those things that we could as fast as possible until we found the winners, got rid of the losers. Um, so in order to get there, it was build as fast as we could and then get to the testing mode uh, so we could find those winning products. And Where did and you find like all these? So you had to build 10 teams. Were these like referrals from your current people was it you oh, like indeed so it was a combination of uh combination of in, indeed ads linkedin ads uh upwork uh fiverr network uh facebook groups click funnels being one of the big ones i think i got six people out of the out of the people we had um we had like uh, like i said almost 60 people um that we had on on these teams um yeah so so Going to Funnel Hacking Live, I got to meet a lot of people that do a lot of different things and their skill sets. And these guys were, you know, they were, uh, one, one was good at Facebook ads and one was good at products and one was good at funnels. And, you know, and I was like, hey, pause. Can you help me for just this amount of time? We're going to get this project knocked out and uh, come together and knock this out. And sure. And uh, so I took their skill sets and placed them on those teams that we created and put them in uh, little puzzles, you know. And uh, it, it was, uh, you know, it wasn't easy, but. Yeah, it was just a process of finding them. So just so everybody knows, we're talking about, so you built 100 stores in 30 days that cash flowed, what? 10K. Yeah, so not just building the stores, but actually like making them make money. And what, like, how did you come up with all, because you you essentially had to come up with 100 ideas for products. How did you do that? Was it just like, all right, this one, you, you five people do furniture, you five people do like, outdoor stuff or was it like more methodical? Um, so we put a list together. I think at the time we had like a list of a thousand, um, a thousand niches. And then from the thousand niches, uh, we went and did research on how many of those niches have 
audiences on Google and Facebook because we knew that's where we'd be driving our traffic and getting our sales. So then we took out of those thousands, we, we, we dialed it down to like 300. And then out of the 300 uh, different niches we had, um, we started looking at which one had the most products that were currently selling on Facebook and Google, um, which the reason why we chose the ones that had the most products selling was we realized that the, the ones that had the biggest audiences that have the most products selling have the most opportunity uh, to create more sales. Because um, for instance, uh, you know, it'd be really hard to try to sell, you know, a thousand products to one person. Um, and on the flip side of that, it's a lot easier to sell one person, uh, you know, or a thousand people, one product. Um, so it's just a matter of a numbers game of there was enough people and then there were enough products in those niches. And then once we did that, we dialed it down to the hundred and, and made some choices of, do you like, uh, you know, do you like basketball over weddings? Um, you know, and based on team skill sets, you know, people would vote and say, well, let's do, you know, weddings because it's more longevity. It happens every day, year over year. There's no seasons to it. And we made rationality um, behind our decisions that way saying, okay, we, we feel like that would go better because people are constantly getting married worldwide. Some people don't even play basketball around the world, but they always get married somewhere, you know, so, stuff like that. So that's how we uh, rationalized our decisions. So um, how do you take now? Because I'm kind of trying to come up with like a universal formula for like, what's a good idea versus a bad idea, for example, even if it's like an agency service or whatever. So what are some things that you've seen in terms of like really strong niches for Mm -hmm. physical products versus not so strong ones? Uh, So I like to say that uh, the niches that work the best are the ones that you can find a social media friendly product, meaning a product between that 50 to $75 range that you can actually profitably or at a minimum break even on a Facebook ad or an Instagram ad or your Google ads with um, on the front end, because, you know, I broke down e-commerce into a vehicle. Um, You have an engine, which is like your Shopify store. That's your CRM. That's your, that's your, uh, you know, the thing that makes this thing run. Um, However, if you have an engine in a car, but you don't have a steering wheel, you're not going to go anywhere, you know? So, um, the steering wheel is your funnel, uh, if that makes sense. And then in order to, you know, get the steering wheel, okay, I'm in the steering wheel, I'm in the car, my engine's working, I got everything going. Well, in order for your car to go, what do you have to have? You have to have gasoline. So that's where the paid ads come in. Um, so we put gas in the engine, in the car, and then we steered where we were trying to go um, with our products that we would choose. And the only way that we were going to actually get anywhere uh, with actually getting new customers, driving new sales, um, you know, building out product list, whereas verifying that we had enough people that were going to buy enough products uh, in that niche, uh, meaning run an ad to a funnel and then sell profitably consistently enough to where we can get new customers every single day that we can then put in our Shopify store, start emailing them, start retargeting them, start remarketing them different products than the one they bought in the funnel. And that's the method. Has there anything ever been anything uh, I mean, in the last like recent few years that you just couldn't figure out how to sell. Like it was like a weird price point where it's like, it's not Facebook friendly, the valid, I don't know, like couldn't sell on Google. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, it's interesting, but the uh, product that I thought would work the best that I always said, man, this product's going to crush. It seems like all, every time I think that that product never sells. 
And because uh, I, I think I get myself hyped up too much and think, oh, this one's going to be a sure fire winner. This one's going to crush. Um, but typically what happens is it sells or it fizzles out or it doesn't, it doesn't scale at all. Um, but one, one product specifically um, that I thought was in the hunting niche and it was, uh, it was about the era whenever people were starting to buy these trail cameras that go on trees that you can, you know, put on the tree and you can watch your animals and stuff, you know, figure out where they're walking and tracking them down and stuff like that. Right. And I'm thinking, okay, what hunter doesn't want this product? Um, I have a, you know, at this time, I think I had like a 200,000 email list um, and people were buying these things in the stores and these are just new and it was like a new concept. And I was like, this thing is perfect timing, the perfect product, the perfect price point. Um, but what, what I realized is that um, was that when I put it into a funnel and I tried to run ads to it, that there wasn't enough targeting or targetable uh, people through an ad standpoint. So I can send emails all day and sell the product, which is why I thought I could sell it. But maybe I already had the 200,000 people that are actually going to buy this thing. So I wanted to go run ads to it. There wasn't enough people up there to actually consistently sell the product to. And a uh, big flop. A lot of money put on the front end, but big flop. Not enough people wanted to buy those things. <laughs> Interesting. So, but couldn't you have like, I don't know, sold some other hunting thing, built up your list even more, and then emailed this thing out? Yeah, to- yeah. So so how I made it how I made it work was exactly that. I changed the product on the front end which was, uh, you know, different low end, different products that were less, uh, that needed less education that weren't as new, um, and sold those things. And then I turned those, those people into buyers through email education, which exactly how you explained. I sold more via email than I did on ads. So let's say somebody's starting out, like they're like, all right, I'm, I got my job. I hate my job. I make five grand a month in my job. As soon as I can make that doing anything else, I'll quit. And I got, <laughs> let's say three K in the bank. What would you say to that person to try? So they want to quit their job. They got three K in the bank and they, they want to just go into Mm e-commerce. That's the question. Uh, Number one would be, I would say uh, if you're going to run ads, you got to run ads to a funnel. Um, The reason being is uh, a funnel is going to give you the best opportunity to at least break even. Um, and if you're breaking even on sales, that means you can keep going. And if you can keep going, that means you're capturing emails. And at least you have the ability to turn those emails into profit uh, by reselling them something else new. So it's, it's been 100% proven. Like if somebody buys something from an ad, yeah. they will buy something else similar if you email them consistently. 100%. Yeah. I mean, you don't even have to. The sad part is that consistently, you don't even have to do that consistently. You just have to email them. <laughs> Um, you don't have to do a good job with it either. You just got to email them. You just got to send them things. Cause here's the deal. If, if I buy something and JR, tell me this, what are you most passionate about? Just give me something you're passionate about. Digital marketing, business books. Bingo. Uh, if you ever buy anything that involves books, digital marketing, fitness, uh, mindset, any of that thing one time, right? Yep. You don't all of a sudden just say, three years from now that I no longer like, you know, fitness. I don't like books. I don't like digital marketing. I'm not in business. You don't just stop being who you are. You're always, who you're, you're always going to be that person. So it's like, if I buy something, uh, you know, in a niche now, if I buy a fishing lure or a fishing pole today, um, I mean, it happens. People say, you know what? I don't like fishing anymore, but the reality is the high percentage, yeah, most of the time, yeah. they're always going to keep liking fishing their whole life. Yeah. That's just and if, I, if I think back to like the shit that I've bought, like I've bought uh, over a hundred books I have over here. Like a lot of the clothing that I wear, it's like 
it's from emails of clothing that I bought in the past. Um, a lot of, I mean, I, I have certain categories of things like three or four categories of things that I just buy over and over and over again mm-hmm. from just emails. Um, and that's why too, like Facebook ads, I, I've noticed like, for example, I'll buy like a similar style, like for example, workout uh, clothing. Yep. Second, I buy workout clothing on Facebook. I'm getting that's all my ads are workout clothing. They're like, oh, this guy's a buyer. Like he buys mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. And then they just keep feeding me more. And then I keep buying yeah. more. So um, that's, I guess, I don't know why, like in the past, I felt like, oh, maybe, um, you know, physical products don't sell through Facebook ads because I lived in this echo chamber of only digital products in my right. Facebook newsfeed until I finally bought like a, a workout uh, stuff. And then now all I see is like workout equipment, physical products. Yep. Yep. So it was pretty crazy. Same thing with services too, right? Like you book an appointment to get a haircut. Next thing you know, you're getting ads about hair stuff. You book an appointment to, you know, on a sales call or, you know, you, you click on an ad for a local, you know, um, tire, you know, change in place or something. And the next thing you know, it's like five other places in your area are sending you ads about, Hey, you need your tires changed. So it's, I mean, that's the unique thing about Facebook ads that are really cool. I also, think, I noticed too with you, um, I remember, I can't remember where we were. We were like at a mastermind or something, maybe AdCon. And somebody was like, have you ever tried insert random thing here to sell e-com products? And you're like, I've tried anything you could ever imagine to sell e-com products, Snapchat ads, YouTube ads, whatever. TikTok, and I realized TikTok sucks right now because... <laughs> 13 year olds that have TikTok do not have credit cards. <laughs> so. <laughs> so one thing that I, is interesting is like, you just like try shit basically. Like you're just constantly trying shit. And then yeah, I think, uh, did you read my, uh, you read about my launch whenever I went into my infant product business and whatnot. Like, you know, obviously I got in Dan Henry and I got in Joel Irway and then um, I took everything they said to heart and followed along to T everything they did. And uh, I launched 23 offers and they're like, yo, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm testing everything I got. And they're like, yo, hold the phone real quick. I'd like back down, try one at a time. I was like, oh, okay. I thought if I tried all 23 <laughs> up front, then I could just get to the winner right away. They're like, you can, but you know, Diffie's purpose. Yeah. I would say I, I took it a little too literal about their testing. That's so funny. Cause I see like, like a lot of times when people are struggling with stuff, I'm like, okay. Like for example, they say they're struggling to book appointments. I'm like, okay, well, how many things have you tried to book appointments? Right. Well, I tried like, you know, cold calling. And I'm like, okay, what else? They're like, well, that's it. I'm like, bro, how do you expect to be successful trying one thing? Yeah, it's, and- like, uh, it's like anything, right? Like, uh, you, you know, you, you start dating a girl or whatever and you take her on a date and she says, yeah, I don't like this thing or this thing we did or whatever. So you're just never going to take her on a date again. <laughs> you know, like, then, yeah, okay. It doesn't work well for you. You know, you, you, you work out so, one time and you didn't get fit. You, you know, like you didn't lose a hundred pounds your first workout. It's not how it works. But how do you know, like when, for example, there's a difference between trying something and trying it and doing it well. So how do you know when like, okay, I tried this, maybe like I tried a free plus shipping funnel. Maybe I'm just terrible at this right now, but that potentially works. So how do you make the distinction of like, do you just like have to feel like, okay, I gave it a hundred percent. I tried every, everything that I could think of within this thing and it didn't work. And now I'm going to abandon that. Or are you just kind of like, all right, let me try three times and see if it works. Or like, how do you know when you've, 
when you've actually done it well versus just tried it and just tried I do numbers, num- numbers, uh, math. So uh, I don't let my feelings get involved with it. So for instance, um, if I'm going to try something, I'm going to run a certain amount of money to it. I'm also going to look for a certain amount of impressions, a certain amount of clicks, a certain amount of reach, a certain amount of, you know, add to carts, a certain amount of purchases before I say this is working or not working. Um, that way it's not arbitrary to my thoughts. It's more about, okay, I set a goal of, I want to see if I can get to a hundred purchases um, of this product, you know, by this date, or, you know, I'm going to give myself 30 days to try to make sure I can break even at the very minimum. So I'll do anything I can to get to break even by the end of 30 days. And if I don't, I say, okay, I made that decision, that goal, and I didn't reach it. Therefore, it's not successful based on the goal. I said, uh, just based off numbers, really. Okay. Because um, like for me, it's like sometimes I try stuff and I'm like, all right, I know I didn't, this didn't work, but I also know like I didn't, I'm not good at this. So I can't expect it to work right away and I'll, I'll commit. So like, for example, with this podcast, I'm like, all right, I don't know if podcasting is going to be worth it. I'm going to commit to a hundred episodes. If after a hundred episodes that I did my best, I, I feel like I, this shit's not working. I don't feel like it's worth my time. Then we abandon it. So Bingo. versus numbers, before, you just put it on numbers. Exactly. Then. Cause before I would just be like, all right, I've been doing this for shit for like a month or two and I don't feel like I'm getting the results. So let's give up. But now I, I, my rule is like, I have to set a number or something at the beginning to where I'm going to be like, all right, I'm gonna give it a hundred percent until I get to this point. And if it doesn't work, then I'll abandon it. Then same with like salespeople. Like I give salespeople 50 calls. I'm like, yo, if you can't figure out how to sell this after 50 calls, then you're not going to figure it out. Right. So I just, so by knowing that in the beginning, I'm like, okay, this is a, this is exactly what's going to happen after this amount of time, we're going to evaluate this and see how it worked within that amount of time. You just need to try your best to keep improving and getting it, getting your numbers yep. to where they need to be. Yep. So it's kind of the approach that I take with everything. It's like, okay, even when I, when I hire on new people, like for example, just hired a copywriter. I'm like, all right, let's do like 20 emails, one month's worth of emails after a month. We'll look back at the data be like, is this working? Is this not working? And then if it's not, then I might try two more copywriters and see how it goes from there. But I'm not going to be like, oh, email marketing doesn't work or or this stuff doesn't work because I tried one copywriter for 20 emails and it didn't work. It could have just been like that person didn't work out. That person didn't work out for me. So um, interesting. So what do you think like, you like after after selling all these e-com stores and building all these up um what's your next step in terms of like like for you because you could just keep building these stores and keep building these stores but i imagine like after a certain amount of time of just doing the same thing and just predictably scaling these stores and selling them or whatever you're probably like okay what's like the next thing yeah so um i have set up myself some personal goals meaning use what i can do in e-commerce to take the money, um, the cash flow there, and invest in to, to, to some more uh, passive income, uh, to things that are more long term, things that are I want for my future, things that I want um, not now, but you know maybe later in life. For instance, uh, some real estate. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, work on a stock market. Um, I invest into uh, child funds uh, for future future family that I want to have. Um, things that I want to do that I, you know, set out my life and said, I'm going to do them. Um, for instance, I was said, you know, I wanted to go you know, t- to this place and do fishing here, or I wanted to go visit this place and see this monument or this place here, you know, all that's the type of stuff that now brings the true enjoyment or satisfaction now. And, 
um, that's kind of the next thing is like putting together my, you know, my list of bucket list things that I want to see, do accomplish. Um, and I think that comes from me not thinking so much about financial stuff anymore. Um, but, uh, start thinking about inner person stuff, you know, like who I am, who I want to be. That's why I think your post, what was your post yesterday? Yeah. You were like, yo, coach said, don't do shit until I make a hundred K a month net profit. I'm like, well, that's great. But does that matter to your life? Like if you made 40 grand net profit every month, I promise you, you're going to live well. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like you're going to be straight fine. But like, if that's what you want to do, it depends if you, if you want, if you want to go buy a, uh, you know, a million dollar mansion in Jupiter and live in, live on the ocean, then yeah, you better get there and do that. But it's all dependent on what you want to do. So uh, I think I started establishing those, those goals, uh, about what I want to do, how I want to live, where I want to be, who I want to be around, um, more so about than you know, how much money I want to make. Cause I feel confident enough that I can, I think you and I had this conversation almost every day. I could, you could take away everything I have. And as long as you don't take away my comprehension and ability to do what I do, then I'll figure out a way to make money. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like that's the case, whether it be digital marketing, internet business, uh, you know, whatever it is. I think one time we were talking about, we were going to start a mosquito spraying business. Like (laughs) you can't hold down an entrepreneur, right? Like that's my mindset is, as long as you can't take away my cognitive ability to think critically, then I know I can go make money some way, shape, or form and make a lot of it uh, based on what I'm doing. So in proportion to what I want to do too. So, I mean, make a lot. Some people say, yeah, Jeff Bezos makes a lot. Well, yeah, he makes a lot in proportion to what he wanted to do, but some other people, you know, it's not what some other people want to do. Some people are cool with making, you know, 500 grand a year, a million dollars a year, $10 million a year, whatever it is, it's all up to their life. They want to live. How do you determine, like, because um, I'm sure, like, okay, so you, you have money, you have skills, and then you have opportunities that come in from other people and stuff. So how do you determine, like, what's worth your time? Because you can go in, like, infinite amount of directions when you have money, skills, and opportunities. Based on what I want to do, passion. I will vet all of them. And if it's not something I feel passionate about, excited about, like it doesn't spark my interest. then I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't think I'm the right fit for that. Or that's not going to work. Or, um, I mean, you, you've known that you've, you've set me up with some couple conversations and I just like, yo, that's not going to be for me. Cause it's just like, I knew like, Hey, this isn't a good fit for me. Cause, uh, I just, based on me understanding it, I was like, that's not going to work. You know, like it's, it's not going to fit my, my drive and my skill set. So, um, I mean, how, what else are we supposed to, I guess my question to you, JR would be, what else do you do to determine what you, what opportunities you take and don't take? Um, I, um, I, the reason I asked is I was just having this conversation with, uh, Melissa, cause I was listening to a podcast and the dude was saying, um, the more successful you get, like if you're making 50 million a year, you get multiple opportunities to make a million dollars extra like all the time. Um, so it's like the more successful you get, the bigger the opportunities and the more you have to say no to something. Like if you're making 50 million a year, you might have to say to no, no to something that you could easily make or reasonably make another 10 mil or whatever. So I started thinking about that and I'm like, damn, that's so true. Because when I was broke, nobody was offering me JV opportunities. Like, yo, yep. come sell your product to my list. 
Now um, we just got a pretty solid JV opportunity that I'll announce. I'll tell you off camera um, but right. next month is somebody who has over like uh, 300, I think uh, people have paid him 5k and they want me to come in and, and pitch our VA thing. Nice. Um, so I was like, cool, that could be like a cool, like hundred K day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's, yo, I'm like, yo, where, where the fuck was this when I was broke? Like nobody was <laughs> like, yo, come sell your VA stuff over here. Right. Um, so I was like, man, the more money you make, the easier it gets to make money. And then I saw um, Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank. He did this video where he was like just talking. And um, he's like, so getting to 1 million, like the amount of people that get to 1 million in cash uh, is very, very small. The people, he's like, 1 million is, is rare. 5 million is almost impossible. But once you get to 5 million, getting to 10 million is almost like automatic. Like he does, he rarely meets somebody that gets to five that doesn't get to 10. Yeah. So I like, man, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. So I was like, man, so the, the more you make and the more successful you make, the easier it is to make it. Like they would say, like your first million is hardest and then your second's uh, easier than that or whatever. So I guess the way to answer the question, how I make decisions now is like, how big, like, is this opportunity is taking this opportunity going to cost me more over here in the long run? And does this fall completely in line with what I'm already doing right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and then other things, like a few other things, like, so recently I got an opportunity just to help somebody as an affiliate, uh, which is a really, it's a really good affiliate deal. Um, it serves the same people that I serve agency owners um, sell this software. And I'm mainly doing it because um, I respect the person a lot and just to like be close to them and to be able to get their feedback and stuff like that to me is worth being like one of their top affiliates. So I may, I guess I make the decision based off of number one, does this have to do with anything that I'm doing? Cause if somebody's like, Hey, come over here and help me sell this other thing. I'm going to be like, no. Um, and does this help me get closer to people that I want in my circle? Um, So pretty much those are my two things that I look at. And then anything outside of that, sometimes like I, I entertain a lot of, pitches that I get randomly in my inbox. Uh, like yesterday, some guy was like, Hey, I got this software that could automatically book appointments for agency owners and you can white label it. I was like, okay, send me a demo of how it works. And I'll take <laughs> Show me. Yeah. And then uh, yesterday also someone was like, yo, I can get you on Forbes and blah, 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 like five publications within 24 hours. I was like, all right, 24 hours. I'm listening. Like, so <laughs> I'm like, I'm constantly like, I have my eyes open, but I say no to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I grow and make more money, more people know who I am and stuff in the community. I'm just going to be saying no to more things. So I'm kind of trying to pick, pick apart early. Like what is, what is going to be my, um, what are my principles around this? So that when the opportunities come, I could be like, yes, yes, no, no, no. Just based off of my principles. Yep. Yep. So, that makes perfect sense. I have to use some of that. I do like the two things you said if it's going to put me around the people I want to be around, I would have to agree. That's a hundred percent. One thing that I definitely look at, didn't even realize it. But number two, is it going to take me away from what I currently do opportunity cost wise? I do like those two things you, you said, uh, which make great points. And I think when I think about it, those are two things that I love. I think about when I'm, am I passionate about it? Yeah. Am I passionate about who I'm going to be with and where, who I'm going to be around that type of stuff? I think that goes along with the, the passionate side of it. Um, so two good points there. What do you think has been like, um, some of the like smallest things that you've done in terms of like tactics or strategy um, that have that you that have produced like the biggest amount of ROI or output on the back end. 
Yeah. So the, the moment I went from uh, one email a day to three emails a day, uh, just, uh, just the, the ability to go from, you know, um, touch points of one time a day versus three a day, uh, massive output from both sales product sales, but, um, but long-term uh, customer value because uh, I get in front of more people uh, more often. So more eyeballs. So that's one tactic or strategy uh, from email marketing that I did that I thought, man, what, why weren't I sending three emails before every day? You know, like why not? Um, and then um, my, my number one thing that I, I had to go back from the time I started in doing this e-commerce stuff was, was making sure that I'm running paid ads to funnels um, and not to just single product pages and trying to sell one product at a time. I think those are two things that if I was say, man, if you look at everything I'm doing, the more emails I send and the more ads I run to funnels, uh, the more money I make uh, bottom line. Interesting. So like um, for me, I've been looking at, I've been getting way better at tracking and stuff. And now we have like a spreadsheet that tracks, uh, you've seen it before, but now we added that it tracks things based on trends. And when you look at your data based on trends, so we track everything from like the amount of impressions our ads get to the sales calls book to the people that show up and our show up rate over time. And it's like, when I look at it like that is so simple. I'm like, okay, more impressions means more clicks means more, appointments means more calls and more money. And if you look at it over the last few months, it's like the leading metric is impressions. So it just get your ads in front of more people. So I'm like, okay, why am I only, why do I only have like five retargeting ads when I could have like 25 retargeting ads? Right. And why am I not doing Instagram swipe up ads when I've done that in the past and I know it works and now we're just not doing it for whatever reason, or how come we've never tried Facebook story ads and how come we've never done Google remarketing? Um, so we implemented all this stuff instantly, instant, like 50% increase in the amount of calls that we built awesome. by just like looking at the metrics that are generating appointments and that are generating money and then just doing more of those things and fe- seeing like how we can do more of those things. So um, that's definitely that's instant leverage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause I was like, honestly too, like a lot of, a lot of what we've been doing lately I just go opt in. Like, for example, um, this, uh, I forget his name. He's a YouTube marketing guru. He kids like 23 does like 450 K a month. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's like a lyric. Um, he has like an out, ad outreach, uh, program for YouTube. And, um, I opt into his stuff. Cause I'm like, yo, this shit looks really interesting. Like I might buy this, uh, when we're trying to scale another platform. Mm-hmm. Um, his like second email was like, yo, I uh, just saw you opted in to check out our training. Just give me a quick uh, idea of like what your business is. And I was like, yo, that's so smart. He's getting re- people to open his emails and respond mm-hmm. right away. And it's creating engagement. So people that respond to that, like a certain amount of them are probably going to convert into buyers in the future. Mm-hmm. So we implement that right away. And I'm like, boom, do that. Then um, I go on like Instagram. I go on Facebook. I go on uh, some random article. His ads are everywhere. And I'm like, okay, so this dude's for doing 450 a month and he's doing these things. Well, we got to do that too. And yeah. that's how I make a lot of my decisions is like, okay, I see other people that are successful doing stuff. Um, and then I just, usually it's like, I have to kind of believe that it's going to work ahead of time. I don't just try things just because other people are doing it, mm-hmm. but I have to see how it fits into what we do. 
Uh, same, same with Dan. So I see Dan doing like emails to like these little like blog posts and stuff. And I'm like, all right, well, he's been doing it for a while. Not a dumb guy, probably working. Let's do that too. And every single time I've done one of these things that I just see someone else successful doing it and just modeling it for us, um, it's worked. And yeah. it's, it's like my, one of my, one of my instant leverage strategies is like, yo, if someone else is doing something, you just do the same thing, just model it. And it, it'll most of the time, that's like nine out of 10 times. It's going to work well. Oh, for um, sure. And then also too, just getting really good at tracking because I, I used to suck at tracking. So we would do stuff and I just wouldn't really be tracking. So after like three or four months, I'd be like, I don't know if this is working anymore. Let's stop doing it. Versus if we were actually tracking it, we you would actually have sure. real data to go off of. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, so that's been a big, big thing for us is just having more data to um, make decisions off of. And that's yep. been like my, yep. my instant leverage. Um, so what do you, I, I wanted to ask you to, do you, do you invest in any like masterminds or like, do you do any kind of like mindset shit or do you I, um, up until December of last year, I was in uh, blue ribbon by Ezra Firestone, um, smart marketer. Um, so yeah, that was a mastermind that I was in. For, that was an e-commerce based mastermind. Um, but uh, yeah, that was focused on the craft. And the value you got from that was from the tactics or from the people or from, or both. Um, so it was, they did have trainings and have tactics and strategies and whatnot in, inside an info product course. But um, I would say the most, uh, the most, uh, input I got was actually from the other people that were inside this mastermind. Um, not just their conversations on what they were doing and the strategies and taxes they used, but, um, also on the things that they said that were working and not working and, um, the connections they had for, Hey, here's somebody I know that can help you do this. And I thought the connections were, 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 you know, valuable. Um, the only reason I'm not in it anymore is because, uh, my, my personal, I think we talked about sort of my personal uh, goals have shifted. So mm-hmm. no longer am I looking to go, you know, scale a uh, hundred stores to a hundred million dollars, that type of thing. Interesting. Okay. Cause my, like for me, it's like, I don't know. I, I've, I've, I kind of just don't pay attention to a lot of stuff sometimes. So I haven't really seen a lot of opportunities for masterminds lately. I'm like, yo, I want to join something where I'm around people that are like Mm -hmm. doing things and it's exciting and there's meetings and mindset and all this stuff. I just haven't really found anything recently that's like super piqued my interest. Um, That's kind of why I was asking because I was like, oh, if you're in something that's cool, I'll I'll probably try to join. What does uh, the biggest thing is, isn't it like um, you find out who the people that you most are attracted to just from personality and conversations and life goals and what they do and how they go about their life and stuff like that. I think the one the coolest parts about a mastermind is finding it's not so much about, you know, the skills or the tactics that you could possibly learn in there. That's part of it, you know, but I would say it's like not even half. It's like one quarter of the actual real reason why I like masterminds, you know. It's more about the the people um and then having that core group of like a soundboard. I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, I know if I had questions about certain things i just hit you up or you know hit dan up or hey whoever that i'm asking these questions and i'm like hey what do you think about this what do you think about this you know and i think that's the biggest value and while it's not like a paid mastermind um mm-hmm. so i think there's a lot of people that would value that uh that itself if they understood that hey it's not so much about here's how you run a facebook ad it's more so about 
you know, here's how you run the Facebook ad and here's why, you know, or here's what I saw why, you know, the why is way more important than how. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, uh, I do, I do strive or, or always think about, man, how do I get about back around those type of people again? Yeah. All right, dude. Well, uh, pretty much been about an hour now. Um, tell everybody a little bit where, uh, they could find you more about what you're doing if they're interested in e-com or any of that stuff. Yeah. So, so two spots, the Academy is e-commerce brand That is going to give you uh 21 plus courses in there. And I say plus cause there's, there's new courses in there and I hate the word course, but that's what they are. Essentially they're online uh, programs. I that, you, I, I'm the same way. I, I always say program you know, or whatever. Uh, you know, the whole you know, course got a negative thing now on, on, on the, in the world of internet marketing, but um, you know, they teach everything from how to do Google, Facebook, Bing, Pinterest, Etsy, Amazon, eBay, the whole nine yards. If you're selling a physical product online, the Academy has how you do it, um, tells you, you know, step-by-step step how to do it. And then also adds a little bit about here's how I do it in there. And then on top of that, um, e-commerce secrets.com is, uh, if you want to work with me one-on-one, um, we have a, I don't want to say one-on-one, but it's a group coaching program that I have, uh, you know, and I walk you through, not only do you get access to the Academy, but I walk you through, um, and I'm your soundboard on actually, uh, guiding you through how to build your funnel, how to find your niche, how to find your products, how to set up your store, those type of things. And, um, you know, certainly you can do it by yourself. The Academy is great. A lot of people do it, but, uh, if you want to do it and then have, um, myself and my team as your, as your wall, your guiding light, um, e-commerce secrets.com would be, uh, would be where you'd want to go. Yeah. And I also will say like, I don't know anybody else in the e-com space, that has just done as much as you in, in terms of diversity of niches and free, like there's people who do Amazon and teach that or do Shopify and teach that. But I haven't really seen anybody who's tried and done everything successfully in multiple different niches and then can like give people direction. Yeah. I've been lucky enough. uh, Yeah. Lucky enough to have the opportunity to have enough stores, to have enough cash, to have enough, you know, paid ads ran to be able to test enough platforms. Um, plus 10 something years doing this thing. Um, you know, some, some, some years give me the help of being able to do all that stuff too. Um, yeah, not that I knocked the person who's still selling that one thing and their one niche and their one store and scaling. I think that's awesome and amazing. Um, yeah. If you, if you, if you need to figure out something about one thing and, you know, we certainly have something in there for you, I'm sure. Awesome. So thank you so much for coming on and it's been real fun. Appreciate it, JR. Hey, if you enjoyed this podcast and I'd be forever grateful if you left us a five-star review on the app you're listening on so we can help more people. And if you want more content like this, then click that subscribe button now. And until next time, my friends, stay leveraged.